Thanks for tuning in to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded live in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. For more information, visit banner.church today. Enjoy the message. Hello, celebrating today. Man, I don't know about you, I'm just getting hammered by allergies. Anybody, any allergy people here today? Woo, let's just give up a, a chew to the Lord this morning, just sneezing, sneezing in the spirit over here. It is aggressive. These trees, whatever these satanic beasts are called, them, them, right right back to hell where they came from in the name Shatisa, whatever, whatever it is. My goodness. Oh, man. Nothing gets me Pentecostal like allergies, but really, really excited to continue our So Much More series. Uh, really excited to share with you. Last week, we talked so much more for our marriage, and today, I want to talk so much more for our family, and we're really believing through the Holy Spirit for so much more. I don't know about you, but I'm a parent. I have two kids. Those are two of mine that were running around here, uh, but parenting is tough. Man, when I, uh, we were going to have our kid, I think of all the things that people told us about having a baby, and they would tell me about having a baby as if I had anything to do with this equation or what was going to happen. I'm like, I don't know what's coming out, right? But they never really talked to us about, about what parenting would be like. I remember that being like, man, how do I get it to sleep? Like, for a long period of time, people would be like, I don't know, it's just horrible, and then you die, right? It was like, well, that's not encouraging at all. And, uh, or, like, the other thing we would have when we were going to have a baby is people would just tell my wife horror stories of birth. It was some kind of initiation where they'd be like, oh, this thing's going to destroy you. And they'd be like, why are you telling this poor girl this thing, right? And, uh, and I, but nobody really can, and even if they had told you, though, they really could not fully explain it. And I, and I could say that as being someone who's tried to explain parenting to someone that you can give advice and direction but man it's just something you kind of got to experience the toughness of parenting and sometimes as parents we're asking this question how do I know if I'm doing a good job as a parent who asked that question I see families, they're, they're working so hard, and they're striving, and, they're, and I, I can see them. Like, I, we went to Disneyland uh, a little while ago, and I was watching parents walk around Disneyland just trying so desperately to have their kids have a good time, and it was like 95, and their kids had been out all day, and their kids were not necessarily giving them a response, I think, that was validating uh, them as good parents, even though, you know, of course their kids loved it, right? I mean, it's, it's fun. But as parents, we often wonder, how, how, how do I know if I'm doing a good job? A lot of parents have expressed to me, I, I don't know if I'm hitting the mark. How do I lead my family? And I want to encourage you today that one of the things I love about Jesus Christ and the Word of God is that as we read the Word and as we look at Jesus Christ, we discover that through Jesus, we can actually thrive as families, not just survive as families. That because of the word of God and, the, and, the, and what God has spoken and because of the character of Jesus Christ, as we begin to look at that, we begin to see how God has taught and modeled and directed us how to guide our families so we're so much more than we could ever ask or imagine. I want to pray of you today before we jump in. Jesus, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for what it speaks to us. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to move upon our hearts this morning, to move upon us, to move through us, and to really transform us. We open our hearts to you today. In your name, amen. 
was thinking about this the other day. Imagine parenting Jesus just for a second. What an experience that would be, right? Because like Jesus was perfect, and as a parent, I'm imperfect. So that means every fight the family has would be my fault, right? Like I would always be going to Jesus like, Sorry, Jesus, I just, I feel like the bad, I feel like a bad guy. I feel like the, I'm always the bad guy. And he'd be like, I know, right? <laughs> like, hey, I'm sorry I got upset, right? Because like he's perfect. So like I saw him doing something. I thought it was bad carpentry. Turns out he was just inventing the chair, right? I'm like, no, Jesus, we sit on the ground. And he's like, no, if you sit in the chair, it's, it's got cushions. It's feel nice. You sit up. And then I got to go back and apologize. And, and, and he's very gracious and receiving, even at a young age. And I'm like, I'm just broken. He's like, we're all broken, right? Except for me. I'm here to restore, right? I don't know what that was like, but I imagine that it was a trip being Jesus's parent. Uh, and and we're, we, we know a little bit about Mary. We, we don't know a ton about Joseph, but I imagine it was, it was interesting being Jesus's parent because he was perfect. And I, it's interesting, as we look at Jesus, people ask the question, well, how was Jesus raised? Because that'd be a great example, right? Just look at how Jesus was raised. Seemed like he turned out okay. And uh, see, you know, I mean, that was a unique family situation. We had like an unwed single mother and then a stepdad, right? And he turned out all right. It was a messy family, but, you know, God moved. All joking aside, I wonder, Okay, what, what was Jesus taught? And the beautiful thing is we know from tradition what Jesus was taught because Jesus was Jewish and he was raised in the Jewish tradition. The nice thing is that they kept good records of that. And we also know based off what Jesus taught, what he knew. And one of the things that he very clearly taught is a practice that was very common to the Jewish people, especially righteous Jewish people, that they would teach their children and their, teacher, their children would teach their children. And so because Jesus was Jewish, he was taught it. And it's something called the Shema. Shema, S-H-E-M-A. If you're like taking notes, write that down, Shema. And we know that Jesus knew Shema because when he was asked... What is the most important commandment? He said, Shema. He quoted it. He said in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, they said, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? They were kind of trying to catch him. And he very wisely quoted, meaning he knew this commandment, right? He had it memorized. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He said, this is the great and first commandment. He's got it committed to memory. And what he's quoting here is actually the Old Testament law, and it's a portion of Deuteronomy and Deuteronomy 6 that the Jews would call the Shema. And it would be similar to maybe the Christian tradition of the Lord's Prayer. That would be the closest example that I could give, where it was a portion of Scripture, just like the Lord's Prayer, that you can literally pray directly, just pray through it. And it's a portion of Scripture that they would teach their kids to wake up. So first thing you would do in the morning is you would pray Shema, and you would pray through it. And then when you went to bed, you'd pray the Shema. So let, let's read it together. I want to read you this portion of Scripture that Jesus is quoting from. Because just as a rule of thumb, if Jesus says this is the most important and greatest commandment, commandment meaning thing you're commanded to do, that's a good moment to key in. So if you zone out the whole rest of the sermon, zone in for the thing that Jesus said was the greatest and most important thing. 
just as like a biblical heads up. That's the part to key into. Then you can be on Instagram the rest of the message. But this part's important. It says this, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6, verse 4. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I commanded you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is, man, that was really good. It was like cinnamon toast crunch drink. Thanks, Casey. This is the Shema right here, Leviticus 6, verse 4. This is the Shema. This is, as the people of Israel are about to go into the promised land, God is instructing them, and he's giving a message to their families. And that would be the portion of Scripture that they would read in the morning and at night twice a day. That's the Shema. They would read this portion that was a message to their families that was basically saying, listen, you're no longer slaves. I'm bringing you into the promised land. And, and, and that's important because God in, in much of the Old Testament is speaking to his people principles that would change their thinking from the thinking of slaves, from the thinking of being in slavery to now the mindset of being children of God. Are you with me? He's saying, listen. You are so much more than your old chains from the things that bound you to your life, to slavery, to the old way of thinking. You're so much more. How many of you want that for your family, right? Right, to be so much more than the things that have bound you in your past. To be so much more than the things that you struggled with before you encountered the freedom of God. Right? There's life, joy, and blessing in that freedom. You're like, well, I don't want my kids to live with that mindset. And that's what he's teaching here. He's saying, listen, teach your children so they don't have the mindset that you are having to overcome. He said, but in order to do that, they need to listen and obey. And so he gives them instructions on how to raise up a generation. And he gives it in this section that they called the Shema. And they would repeat over and over. So what does it teach us? It teaches us a couple things. Let me give you a couple things this morning. First, it teaches us that godly families, which we want to be, godly families listen to and obey God. That's a pretty simple principle. I mean, easier to say than do. <laughs> the first word of this passage that we read said, Hear, O Israel. That word here, I'll give you a guess as to what that word is in Hebrew. Someone guess. Shema. Yes, exactly. That word is Shema. Hear. Hear, O Israel. But the word is not like listen. It's to listen and obey. To pay close attention to. To commit it into practice. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when I talk to my kids, I feel like they're not listening to me. I don't know what it, it's just a feeling, it's an instinct. I feel like they're not listening. Um, my son Henry, I, I often feel like just wants me to stop talking. So he'll interrupt me explaining something to him by just telling me yes. 
So I'll be like, hey, buddy, just, you know, like he's in trouble. I, I come up to him, like, hey, buddy. He goes, yes. I'm like, no. I noticed that, yes. No, I noticed, just, shh, shh. I noticed that you throw a rock into the pool. Yes. No. <clears throat> I noticed that you throw a rock into the pool. You know what? Go to your room. Just go to your room. <laughs> go to your room right now. Because <laughs> he just says, yes, yes. I'm like, no, buddy. What did I say? He's like, I don't know. I'm like, well, then listen, right? <laughs> listen. All parents want their kids to listen and obey, right? Yes. We want it for our children. God wants it for his children. Can I just encourage you, man, a thriving family doesn't begin with your kids listening to you. It's nice when they do. A thriving family doesn't begin with your kids listening to you. It begins with you listening to your Father, your Heavenly Father, the Lord God, by hearing and doing what He's commanded. James 1.22 said, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, but he looks at himself and goes away at once and forgets what he looked like. He says, listen, it's not enough just to go, oh, that's nice. That's a nice Mother's Day message. Amen. That was nice. We checked the box. We did the thing. God's saying, yeah, I mean, that, that's nice and all that you're here, but that's not going to bless your family. What blesses our family is walking in alignment with God. And so he teaches on. He says, hero Israel. And then he teaches on again because godly families, and what he's trying to teach Israel is that godly families have the Lord at their center. This is very important. He's trying to teach them that godly families, the families who are going to believe so much more than their slavery, who are going to walk out the blessing of unity and, and of being a godly, holy family, have the Lord at their center. That's why he says this phrase. It's very interesting. In verse 4, he says, Hear, O Israel, right? Shema, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. What's interesting is in Hebrew, there's no word is. In Hebrew, this literally reads, Yahweh Elohenu, Yahweh Echad. The Lord God, Lord one. Which is a little confusing if we go literal, right? <laughs> but it's a powerful statement, those four, those four words. Because they're saying God alone is our God. Meaning there's no God but God. Meaning nothing else gets the place of God except for God. And that's such a powerful mindset because when God is at the center, your family is in order. Hear me. Your family can be in order when God is at the center. I'm not talking situations, struggles, difficulties. That's a part of life. I'm talking about a heavenly order upon your family begins with God being at the center. Let me, let me explain it this way. I got this great whiteboard that my good-looking brother Gabriel brought up here. Let me, let me draw it this way because I like drawing pictures. Are we still good? Chandler back there just slaying it on video. Thank you, brother. Oftentimes, we, this is our life. This nice big circle is our life. Look at all the possibility in there. And, and we have all these different facets of our life, right? We have like our work, maybe like our family. That's a part of it, right? Maybe you got some hobbies. You know, you kind of got all kinds of hobbies. Well, you got small ones, big ones, all kinds of stuff. Um, you might, you know, all kinds of things that you enjoy. And then you're like, man, you know what? Like, you discover Jesus Christ, like, wow, this is amazing. I'm going to give my life to Jesus, and he is now a part of my life. 
Jesus Christ. And I gave him a pretty big part. The problem with this is that this is not structurally sound. I just want you to imagine if you were to con construct a wheel based off of this configuration, it would be an absolute nightmare because nothing really is at the center. And so what we find often in our life is that we're finding an imbalance consistently because sometimes this circle gets a little bigger and these circles smaller and then this circle's really big and these circles are smaller and it's all over the place. And so what happens is that we begin to view Jesus, we begin to view what should be at the center as just a factor of our lives. And so we say, oh, I, I go to church and that's over here. I use to think that just youth did this. When I did youth ministry, a lot of youth are like, they, they don't want Jesus to touch any of these other factors. It's like, it's like food on their plate. They got their macaroni over here and their broccoli and their chicken. They don't want it to touch, right? And, and they think that that's healthy. But when I, what I realized as I got older was that adults do this too. We just have a lot more money and excuses, but we do the same thing. But what God has created us to do is to have infinite possibilities by the power of his Holy Spirit. He's created us for movement. He's created us to go and to grow and see possibilities in his kingdom. So I like to think of it more like a wagon wheel. I'm, I'm not a great pioneer, but I kind of have an understanding of what a wagon wheel is, right? You got the outer ring, you got the inner ring, right? And then you have spokes of the wagon wheel. And these are all important, right? All the spokes are important, right? They hold it out. But what's the most important part? If one of the spokes breaks, you'll probably be all right. If this, spot, if this breaks the core, the center, you're kind of screwed, yeah. right? Yeah. In our lives, <clears throat> this is Jesus. Jesus is at the center, and we have many facets to our lives that are good. We have our family. We have our work. We have our, our home. We have our marriage. We have our kids. We have our hobbies. They're, they're all awesome things, right? And we don't need to feel guilty about having those things in our life. They're a blessing. But the problem is that often we try to live compartmentalized and therefore it's a mess. When reality, if Christ is at the center of our life, if he is the rooting center of our heart, if he has all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, then the beautiful thing is he gives structure to everything else. Are you with me? He gives support to everything. You want your family to be supported? Have it in Christ. You want your work to be blessed? Have it in Christ. You want your home to be structured, ordered, even amidst the storm? Build it on the rock. What's the rock? It's Jesus Christ. See, in order for our family to be in order, nothing else gets that spot. Hear me. What happens if I put something else in this spot? It, it can't sustain. Say, so, oh, I'm going to put this here. Well, I mean, that's probably one of the worst choices. The dollar is so unstable. I'm just saying. You're like, ah, crypto, even worse, right? <laughs> try, try it. But people do. We do this all the time, right? Yeah. My bank account's right here. Then that'll, that'll support my family and my marriage and my work and my home and my kids. No, it won't. That's called idolatry. 
Often we think idolatry is like building a little thing out of stone or steel. We don't do that. We're not as tactile anymore. Now it just looks like dots, lines, numbers on a computer. But God has called us and commanded us for our good to place him at the center. Why? Because when God is at the center, that solid, unchanging, faithful God, it secures the rest of our life, even amidst difficulty, even amidst suffering, even amidst struggle. It blesses our family. when God is at the center of our life. How do we put God at the center? How do we put the Lord at the center of our life? I'll tell you. Godly families love God with all their heart, soul, and strength. How do we put God at the center? We love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. That's another way of saying with everything. Yeah. It's kind of nothing else after that. With everything we have. He says in Deuteronomy 6, 5, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. That's part of the Shema. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. I love that Jesus teaches us. He says this word from word. And like I said, if Jesus quotes it, it's probably important. I mean, it's all important. It's in the Bible. But if Jesus quotes it, and, you know, he had three years of ministry, he was kind of picky on which ones he quoted. If he quoted it, it's probably important. Yeah, yeah. And when he says, this is the most important, it's probably important. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yes, we don't have to guess. He makes it clear, right? <laughs> what I love is that this is the heart of the Old Testament law. It's summed up in Galatians 3.24 when Paul says, The law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. The law led us to Christ, and Christ fulfilled the law. See, the principle still rings true because Christ didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. And so the same thing is true today as it was for Israel going in the promised land, which is essentially all of our affection and devotion, all of our thoughts and intentions, and all of our actions and abilities. When we give it and surrender it to God, it roots us, it secures us with him at the center. Are you still with me? That's how he's at the center of our family, is that we don't put anything in our life off limits to God. God, you get my heart, but not my actions. No, that doesn't work. God, I'll give you my service, but I won't give you my heart, or I won't give you my thought life. No, that doesn't work. Our whole lives are to give him glory. And what's beautiful is, as we surrender everything, he turns around and he secures, he moves, he blesses, he strengthens, and he makes a way for our families. But it begins by us walking in that. And so, and so even way back in Deuteronomy, God is encouraging the people, walk in the truth of the word. Because godly families model and profess the truth of the Lord. Godly families model and profess the truth of the Lord. Parents, did you know that every moment someone is speaking into your kid's life and modeling something for them? It used to be 
it would be like that, you know, be some kids in the neighborhood. Now, young people, our children, they can go online and have people from all over the world, both positively and negatively, speak into their life with that person having no accountability to our children's future, right? They say whatever they want. They might never even see our kid, right? But they're speaking in. Things are being modeled. They're seeing things constantly on social media. And it's telling our kids what to believe. And it's telling our kids what the world thinks is true. And it's showing our children principles and ideas. And I know it's Mother's Day, so everyone's got to be really, like, flowery. But we just need—can I be real for a second? The things that the world is showing our kids are distorted, broken, confused, evil, perverted, and disgusting. Very rarely is it anything but that. Parents, we must speak and model the truth of Jesus Christ in our home and in our lives. In verse 7, he says, You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. I love that one. It's like you're just coming near my house. You're going to know who we listen to in this house. You want to come up to my gate, you're going to see that we love Jesus Christ. You're not writing like mean things on your gate. You're writing, this is who we serve. We serve the Lord God. You know when you really notice this influence is when you're fasting? Have you ever ever fasted food and then you like, you realize how many commercials on TV are about food? Like, oh my goodness. Like when we do 21 days of prayer and fasting at the beginning of the year, like 90% of the year I don't know Pizza Hut exists, but man, that 21 days, I, I literally, and it's right, it's right there. Maybe it moved. It was right there across the street. And so we'd be fasting and I just see it and just the, the attacks of the enemy coming against. We just anoint the windows with oil. Um, <laughs> we scared them off. No, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> But man, it is like you just realize the influence of what comes against you. You realize like how much of the world is motivated to make you unsatisfied and to make you want to purchase something, buy something, be a part of something that would satisfy you when only God can really satisfy you. I mean, pizza is amazing. Praise God. I love it. Thank you. Thankful for tomatoes. I'm thankful for the Colombian exchange that got tomatoes from Central Europe over to Italy. And I'm thankful for the the Italians that came over to New York and made, in my opinion, the best pizza. And I'm thankful for all of those things, but at the end of the day, they cannot satisfy my soul. And every day, the world is speaking to our children. And I just want to ask parents, what are you speaking to them? The Word of God says, teach, talk, write it, make your home about it. Hear me, if you want to penetrate their heart with the truth of God, it better permeate your life. Actions and words combined lived out. My favorite thing about kids is there's no hiding things from kids. I know exactly what goes on in your house because I talk to your kids in kids' ministry. (laughs) If you think your kids are doing a good job disguising what is happening in your home, you have never served in children's church a day in your life (laughs) because the first thing they do is come in and use whatever word you used in traffic on the way to church. And I'm saying that from personal experience, (laughs) right? They know it's happening, right? 
You're like, oh, I'm listening to this song, but I'm listening to it on low. Like, they, they can hear it. And then they come in and sing it. All the kids are singing worship, and they're over here in the back, and they're like, the kids are just like, what are they singing? Like, it's fine. It's, it's all right. <laughs> They'll get a hang of it. Kids know. And their influence, man, it is amazing to me. My daughter will come home and say things, and I'm like, man, where, who spoke that to you? How did you get that thought and that idea? And it takes work to counteract some of the things that are spoken over our children. We cannot be reactive parents waiting for the world to speak something and then try to cancel it out with truth. you got to be first on the scene with the truth of God and begin to speak it over our families. The world will not stop. Evil does not take a day off, and we do not stop teaching the truth of God. God and living it out for our kids. It's not a department or category of our life. It must be at the center of our home, at the center of our lives, at the center of what we do and who we are. Can I just encourage you parents, pick some songs to play over your kids, just some worship music. You're like, I don't know any. Cool, at the end of service, come talk to Gillian. She'll give you like eight billion. <laughs> Write verses to speak over your kids. Write it on the mirror of their bathroom. You're like, I don't even want to deal with them when they get up. But they can read? Okay, good. Write it on their mirror. Have them see you read your Bible. Read your Bible with them. Man, read your Bible with them. We have those family boxes. Can I tell you that Delaney puts an incredible, and our kids' team puts an incredible amount of work in those so that you can take them home and read them with your family. Read the Word of God. Get the Word of God into your family. We're doing a, a family group right now with 23 people just going through and believing and speaking. Can I just encourage you, get those resources and put them over your family. Pray when you drop them off for school. Be those parents. You're like, I don't want to be hyper-spiritual. Better to be hyper-spiritual than not spiritual. I'm just saying, maybe take the risk. Take the risk. Be that person that prays over your son or daughter. Be that mom that intercedes. Don't be afraid. You can do that. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to pray. Teach them to worship. Let them see you worshiping. Does your worship look like you're alive or dead? They'll decide for you. You won't be able to tell them. They'll already make their decision up. Let them see you feed the poor. If they see Jesus feed the poor or care for the hurting or sit down with the broken and those in need and they don't see you do it, they're going to have questions that you can't answer. Share the truth of Jesus Christ. Hear me, you don't need to take your kids on elaborate holidays to be a good parent. You don't need to plan extravagant events. You don't need to have perfect meals. You don't need to have perfect outfits. You don't need to have the biggest home. You don't need to be perfect yourself. You simply need to model a life pursuant of Jesus Christ. And in your imperfection, seek the perfect God who loves you. Let's keep going. Are you guys good for more scripture? We good? Deuteronomy 6.10 says that when the Lord brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give to you with great and good cities. I love this. Follow me here. Look at the instruction of God. He's, he's kind of keeping them straight here. He says, with great and good cities that you did not build and houses full of good things that you did not fill and cisterns that you did not dig and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant and when you eat and are full then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt out of the house of slavery 
It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by his name you shall swear. You shall not go after the other gods, the gods of the people who are around you. For the Lord your God, Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of, your Lord, of the Lord be kindled against you, and he destroy you from the face of the earth. Okay, that started encouraging, and it ended up pretty serious. Right? You're like, whoa. God is serious to his people on this, right? He's speaking to his children saying, listen, I've noticed a trend. When things are tough, you come to me. When things are good, I don't, I don't see you very much. I'm kind of picking up a trend here. He's saying, you're about to enter a place that I've provided for you, a place of blessing. But please do not get distracted and worship the blessing more than he who blesses. And worship the promised land more than he who made the promise. See, Israel was headed into a land called Canaan. And Canaan and the people of Canaan had some of the most demonic and barbaric practices in history, let's say probably until now. The idolatry at the time was focused around two demonic forces. We talked about this in Angels and Demons two years ago, but Baal and Moloch. Baal and Moloch. And how do people worship Baal and Moloch? Well, I'm glad you asked. They worship them with profound sexual perversion and child sacrifice. I, man, this gave me in trouble, but I'm going to say it anyways. That's okay. I've been fascinated by this narrative of we won't go back in this country. Can I tell you, you know what's behind us as a country or in a, as a world is child sacrifice. Since the beginning of time, cultures have been worshiping demonic forces through the death of infants. I, don't, I know if you didn't know history, that's now surprising for you. Travel the world and look at history, and you will see for generations upon generations, people have worshipped the demonic forces of Baal and, Baal and Moloch. And God is training his children to say, you will not do that. He says to them, you will not let your children pass over the fire to Moloch. You will not do that. Because I have made you for something greater than slavery. Hear me. That is slavery. That darkness is only hopeless. You will never find light there. You will never find hope there. You will never find freedom at the altar of Baal and Molech. You will only find darkness and sorrow. He says, listen, you're going to be surrounded by these cultures who will not only normalize the death of infants and the sacrifice of children and profound sexual perversion, but they will call it worship and freedom. But hear me, children, it is only slavery. Do not be overcome. Modern culture, our culture is not life-giving. It is promoting abortion. It is promoting sexual perversion and I'm in a tunnel, amen? Pornography, we're just, we're going deep with the spirit right there. The Lord knows, not today, Satan. Uh, but our culture, it amplifies, it supports, and it worships those things. Hear me, church, do not be overcome and do not let your children be overcome. And if you do not speak truth to them, they're going to hear the lies. You're surrounded but do not give in. Do not be overcome. Hear me. Let me give you this one. Godly families cling to the truth of God and reject the lies of the world. This is why God must be at the center. I went uh, kayaking in Hawaii. Let's, let's go light a little bit here. 
I know we got, we got heavy there, but you know what? I feel like we got to talk about this church, right? This is what's happening in our world. This is what's happening in our life. God will reign. And I see all these posts, and they infuriate me about right side of history. Listen, church, we will be at the right hand of God. That is our responsibility to serve the Lord and the Lord most high. And he will win, and his justice will reign. But I went kayaking. To bring it back a little light here. I went kayaking in Hawaii. And it was interesting because when you start by the ocean, the water from the ocean comes up into the river. And so, like, as you're going, there's this weird kind of cross-current thing that's happening. But, like, a good grip of space into the river, it's salt water. And then the closer you get to the waterfall, the more it becomes fresh water. This is really fascinating. And the fish change and everything, you know, is different. And so when you get close to that source, man, it is just teeming with all kinds of life and trees. And the jungle is so dense. And there's like this beautiful waterfall. It's absolutely amazing. And the water there is so pure and so fresh and so perfect as you go upstream to the source. The closer you get to the source, the more life-giving it is. This is the difference between culture and Christianity. Because the culture of the world flows downstream. It flows away from the source. But Christianity, we go upstream to the source. We go to the source of God. We go to the Spirit. We go to the Word. We find the truth. As culture, and it is an overwhelming flow, tries to move us away. We go to the source. Romans 1.22 said, Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. In our current culture today, parents, we are surrounded by idols. And we just need to know, whatever you worship will become your identity. You become what you behold. So if in the center here, though all these are good things, you put something that is not God, that is naturally where your heart will go towards. And if it is not perfect, and if it is a broken thing, then you in turn will, be trend, will trend towards brokenness. And our goal as believers, as godly families, is to worship the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind, to put Him at the center and say and ask ourselves honestly as families, is there something that has taken this spot from the Lord? That's not to say you're bad parents or I'm a bad parent, right? That's just honest reflection. Is there something that's taken that spot, right? Is there something that I've begun to cling to that's not Christ at the center? It's like, I really like this one. I really like to work hard. I don't know about you. I love to work hard. But sometimes I, I, I put that here. It's not the healthiest, is it? And I just want to encourage you, maybe it's time to lay that down today. I love this description. Are you still with me? Verse 20? Okay, we're still friends. This is going to be, this is the exciting part. This is the encouraging part. You ready to be encouraged, Ty? You ready? Okay. You ready, Jose? Okay, good. Verse 20. It says, When your son asks you in time to come, what is the meaning of the testimonies and statute and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you, then you shall say to your son, We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. 
And the Lord showed signs and wonders great and grievous against Egypt and against the Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. I love this scripture. When your kid asks why, does anyone here have kids that love to ask why? Come on. My mom was here in first service and raised her hand and just roasted me. Uh, <laughs> right here in front of everybody. But it's true. I love to ask why when I was a kid. I was very curious and intuitive. I love it when kids ask why. I, I love it when kids feel like they have the freedom in their family to ask why, right? Like they want to know. They want to know why. Sometimes they do it to be buttheads, but you know, sometimes they do it because they want to know. Why? Why? Hear me. <laughs> this is my last one. Godly families constantly testify. Godly families constantly testify. Constantly testify. Let me explain this. Moses tells Israel, remember, when your kids ask, why do we do this? Why are we not just doing what everyone else around us is doing? That would be so much more convenient. All of my friends are doing this. All of the nations around us are doing this. People that I see are doing this, and it, you know, it looks like they're having an all right time. Why are we doing that? It says, remember, why do I see you praying? Mom, why do I see you praying all the time? Mom, why are you not afraid? Everyone seems afraid, Mom, but you don't seem afraid. Mom, why are we going to church? Mom, why are we doing the family box? Mom, why are we going to small group? Mom, why do you give 10% of your money away? Come buy a lot of Legos. The Word of God says, look at them and say, just like our forefathers, say, we weren't always free. We weren't always free. See, we were once slaves to sin. But God brought me out of sin, out of my slavery. Moms, you can look at your children and say, your mother was not always free, but God, because of his great love, freed me. Like Romans 5, 8 says, God showed his love for me and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God saved me, he redeemed me, and I never want to forget that. I just want to respond with loving him. I want to put him at the center because I've learned that when he's not, my life is a mess. When he is, my life is in order, even under suffering, even, even when the world comes against me, I love because he first loved me. Moms, hear me today. I want to encourage you. Your testimony is not that you are perfect, but that God pursued you and you love him. In fact, the very fact you're not perfect is incredibly consoling for your children because I meet a lot of children who feel like they need to be perfect. Here's the reality. You're not going to be even if you feel like you need to be. The testimony we give our kids is not that we're perfect. It's that we are not perfect and that God loves us and is for us and lifts us and strengthens us and in our brokenness gives us life and hope and works through us. They don't want to see you perfect. They want to see you pursuant of a loving God. They want to know it's okay to have a hard day and still be loved by Jesus Christ, that God is still going to love them. It doesn't matter what vacations you take them on. It doesn't matter what you buy them. What's going to matter in their life is when they're laying awake in 
their bed feeling like they have messed up. They're going to remember, you know what? I remember when my mom had hard days and she would get down on her knees and she would pray to God and she would be renewed in her spirit. That's the testimony. That's the testimony. Testify about God. Can I encourage you? Testify about God to your children. It's the great best way to boast without being prideful. Testify about God to your children. Man, I'm having a, God, a bad day, but let's pray together. Let's pray together. Man, you know what? I'm sorry I got upset. That's my flesh. That's me. But I'm believing the Holy Spirit to keep doing a work in my life. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together. I've had that prayer with my kids. Listen, God's still doing a work with me. Let's pray together. Your kids love that because you know what? God's doing a work in them. And that's your testimony. The best example the families at Banner Church can set is testifying our love of God and what he's doing in our life. Band, you guys can come up. I think, I think the saddest thing in this scripture is that the people of God do not listen to or obey God. And so not only do they spend a the time wandering around in the desert, but then when they come into the promised land, uh, they don't do what God said and cast off all of these idols. And again, I'm not talking about like an idol that's like eat pizza on a Thursday. It's not obscure. Like these are demonic forces, right? Sacrifice your children in a fire. And what's interesting is in Joshua leads them in, and they work to rid the land of these idols, and they, they don't do it all the way. Some of them give up. Some of them don't get it. Some it's more difficult than they expected. But Joshua stands up, and he says something powerful at the end of his life over his family. And I've really found it descriptive over my own family, given the situation that we're in and the culture that we're in. And it, it can seem very dark and frustrating how to raise your family in this place, but we're not the first generation to do it. And he stands up in Joshua 24, 14, and he says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorite in whose land you dwell. He says, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I love that. Yeah, listen, kids, I, I know. I know that's what everyone's doing. But we have made a choice as a family. We don't serve their gods. As for this house, we serve Yahweh. We serve the God of life. We serve the God who sent his son to die for us that we might receive eternal life. As for me and my family, we serve the Lord. And that's a family commitment, right? Will we put Christ as the center of our family, first in our lives and in our family? And will we allow him to put us in order? And I want to invite you today to make that commitment with your family. Fathers, mothers, single mothers, single fathers, whatever it might be, grandparents leading your family, to say, yes, there are many outside influences. There's much cultural pressure, and there will be even more. Please be prepared for that. But we serve the Lord. It's in our home. 
It's in our words. It's in our action. It's on our doorposts. It's on the gate. It's on our life. As for us and our family, we serve the Lord. And when you make that commitment, the beautiful thing is that the Holy Spirit empowers you and strengthens you and moves through you. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray for you here today if you're willing to make that commitment as we've been talking about godly families and you're saying, you know what, today is for me and my family. We want to serve the Lord in everything. And so you're really wanting the Holy Spirit to do that work in your life. Maybe today you have some things that you need to remove from here so that Christ and Christ alone is at the center. Maybe you're here today and you need God to do a miracle in your family. You need restoration. You need hope. I need you to know that that happens by the power of the Holy Spirit here today, that the Holy Spirit is moving upon this place and he can heal your family right now. The testimony is true of his good works and anointing upon your life. And we believe that today. But if you're here and you're saying, as for me and my family, amidst all the things that are happening, all the pressures of the world, we will serve the Lord. And you're willing to say, Holy Spirit, would you move upon our family so that you would be at the center of everything and move through us that we might believe for more. If you're here, I'd love to pray for your family. If you're saying today, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Would you just lift your hands with me? I want to pray with you this morning. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. God, I thank you this morning that by the power of the Holy Spirit, all things are possible. So I pray first for the family who needs a miracle in the name of Jesus, who needs restoration, who needs health, who needs wholeness. I pray, Holy Spirit, move upon them right now. Right now, bring healing. Right now, upon the family that's broken. Right now, upon the family that's struggling with bitterness, we pray healing. We pray healing. And God, I pray also for the families here who are struggling, who feel like things have taken the place of you at the center of their life, who are here to say, God, I put you at the center. I pray right now a release of those things that have been given center in our lives, that we have given our heart, our souls, and our strength to. And instead, we commit by the power of the Holy Spirit to give all of our heart to you and you alone, God. And God, I pray we are in a cultural battle here, a spiritual battle in this time and in this place for our children and for the next generation. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, make a way. As for our families here at Banner Church, we will serve the Lord. We build our family upon the rock of Jesus Christ. We declare the names and titles of the Lord over our family. We pray peace. We pray counseling. We pray direction. We pray power. We pray deliverance. We pray truth. We pray protection and health in Jesus' mighty name by the power of the Holy Spirit. Regardless of what the world brings, regardless of what the world teaches, we pray right now and commit together and, and walk as a committed body of believers saying, as far of us, we shall serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Just take a minute, wherever you are, begin to pray over your family. Wherever you are, just begin to pray out loud. Begin to pray in the Spirit over your family this morning. Holy Spirit, we pray over families. Holy Spirit, we pray health over families. Begin to lift up your children. Come on, church, don't be afraid to speak out. Begin to pray over your children and their lives. If your children are grown, pray over their children. Begin to lift them up. Begin to pray over the single parents who are walking this journey, feeling alone. Pray the Holy Spirit comes to them right now and renews their spirit. 
Begin to pray against the lies of the enemy over families. Begin to pray the truth of the word over families. Begin to pray the truth of God over families this morning. Thank you for listening to the Banner Church Podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.